Hi, this is Dr. Steve Vargo, Optometric Practice Management Consultant with IDOC. And today I have with me Amy Alvarez, who is IDOC's Human Resources Consultant. And with everyone's attention on COVID-19 and the, the ramifications this is having on people's professional and personal lives, we wanted to devote some time to discuss this issue and we'll continue to do that over the coming weeks. As you might expect, there's been a lot of concern and questions coming our way recently related to the current outbreak. And recently, we sent a form to our members that they could respond to with any questions pertaining to COVID-19. And on this podcast, we're going to answer some of the most common questions that, that we've received. I want to also mention that we're recording this on March 16th, 2020. And while this information is currently accurate, the situation is evolving and could change in the coming days and weeks. And I also want to mention that while the information that we'll provide is well-researched and, and we're confident in our responses, that this does not constitute legal or medical advice. So, Amy, thank you so much for joining me today to shed some light on this rapidly evolving and also sobering topic. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, let's jump in with the questions. We asked you to provide some of the uh, more common questions that you're hearing, certainly a lot of questions and concerns out there. So um, we'll start with this one. What can and can't be said to patients? And should I be putting out some form of communication to them? So certainly communication should be put together uh, in some form to patients. We have provided a guide to our members that can be edited and shared on websites, through emails, or on social media. You do have a responsibility as a practice owner for your other patients as well as your employees to provide a safe environment. So at this time, this is considered a safety hazard. And so there are a few things you can do in the practice in order to mitigate some of that. During check-in, you can ask patients if they're sick, if they've been exposed to someone who is sick or have recently traveled. And although there are bans to certain countries right now, any travel at this point could cause a risk. So should be considered a reason to screen. You can ask patients who answer yes to any of these questions to wear a mask, or you can deny service and reschedule them for at least two weeks, which is the recommended quarantine period, unless, of course, they're having some serious eye condition or they have some type of injury. You can call ahead to confirm your appointments and reschedule anyone who says yes to any of those questions above that they've recently traveled, are sick, or have been exposed to someone who's sick. You can check temperatures of your patients during the check-in process and reschedule anyone who has a temperature above 90, 99.9, so 100 is typically that threshold. And you and your staff, you as the practicing OD and, and any staff member, can wear a mask if in close proximity to a patient, especially in the exam lane during certain tests. Great, thank you. Yeah. It's a, Interesting, these, uh, some of these procedures, and I've seen a lot of them uh, start to get implemented in practice as seems so foreign just days and weeks ago, and, and now it just seems like it's becoming the new normal, at least for now. Uh, next question, Amy, how should I protect myself and the staff? For you, if you have, if you can answer yes to any of those questions, I am sick with anything. I have been exposed to someone who is sick or I have recently traveled stay home for the 14-day self-quarantine period in order to protect yourself and your staff. And also, of course, 
your patients. You also want to think about doing something like this for any large event that you've been to, especially maybe a large event before this became a concern in your state. Um, you also want to encourage your staff to stay home. PTO and time in general is going to be an ask for your staff, right? Because it's unlikely that going 14 days without pay is going to be a comfortable feeling for one of your employees. So there are a couple of things to consider, either allowing your employees to borrow against their PTO balances, so having a negative balance for now so that they will follow the asked 14-day quarantine. You can look into, if you offer short-term disability, I know a, a number of our members have a program through AFLAC, you can follow up with them because that benefit may apply to that 14 days, or you can offer some type of subsidy paying you know, 50 to 60% of their earnings, which would be similar to short-term disability. The reason this is stressed is because asking someone to self-quarantine is something they have to do voluntarily, and so this is how you can encourage them to stay out for that period of time to protect your other employees and your patients. So the next one is probably one of the top concerns I'm hearing right now. What do I do if I have to shut down? So, you know, of course, this question is, is differing whether or not it's I'm thinking about doing this in the future or it's been mandated. There are a few areas, uh, New Jersey especially, where pra practices or businesses have been told that they need to shut down, where healthcare is an exemption but most practices are, are yielding that response and, and saying, I'm going to close during this time. Um, so unfortunately, the answer to that is it depends. So it depends on the length of the shutdown. And of course, in this particular question that I'm getting, we're answering a lot of questions related to how do I pay my staff? What do I have to pay them? How long do I have to pay them? Can they claim unemployment? Those kinds of things. So, if the shutdown is lasting about a pay period, which is kind of that typical quarantine period, as most of our membership has a bi-weekly pay schedule or bi-monthly, you can kind of offer the same options that we were talking about just a second ago. So offering that 60% of pay or other affordable amount for the practice, you can um, allow them to use their PTO to supplement their time you can allow them to borrow against. The challenge here is if, if you're looking at a shutdown period that is likely to extend beyond a pay period, you're probably looking at temporary layoffs. So the caveat here is, of course, you should check with your State Department of Labor. Typically, states have a rule where an employee cannot miss a full pay period with no hours or no PTO. So that, though, that pay period, that person would either be considered to have already been laid off or need to be identified as on a leave of absence. Should you lay your employees off temporarily, they do qualify for unemployment. And they, if you have a state-run um, temporary pay program, Washington State and Ohio have already put one in place. Uh, they would qualify for that. So you're, if you decide, I need to shut down 
or I need to condense my hours, your employees can also apply for supplemental unemployment if you're reducing their hours of work. Um, the one note here is that if you do temporary layoff, just make sure that you're providing them the right paperwork so that layoff can be identified correctly when they apply for unemployment. And if you are a business of 50 or more employees, there are some additional rules that may apply depending on the state. So most certainly recommend verifying that with your Department of Labor before moving forward. So for employees who still have to travel, um, the question, next question, an employee has requested time off and has decided to continue to take that trip. Should I require them to quarantine when they get back for 14 days? And am I obligated to pay for that time? So as an employer under OSHA, you are required to provide a safe and hazard-free work environment for your employees. At this time, this includes not allowing an employee who has been exposed or it could be an exposure risk to come to the practice. The sticky part of this is these rules are, are changing, right? They're, they're evolving with, with every day, we are allowed more flexibility. So as of today, we are not, we are in a place where we can ask the employee to quarantine, we can um, ask about recent travel, but a true requirement to say you have to stay out for 14 days, that's technically not part of this package or at least not clear. So the recommendation from the HR professional world is you ask your employees to quarantine, and trying to eliminate that burden the same way we've been talking about it over the course of the last few questions. Trying to eliminate that burden by allowing them to use their PTO balance, borrow against it, or potentially offering some type of supplement. I only recommend supplementing if it was something that was completely unavoidable, right? They had to travel to another state because of a family emergency or, um, some other unfortunate event versus I'm, I'm deciding despite recommendation to go on a trip to Seattle. So the next question addresses the, uh, what the emotional side, the fear component that, that a lot of people across the industry um, are experiencing. How do I address the panic? felt in my practice and in my community? Well, I wish I could say, you know, just snap your fingers and it goes away. Um, the problem is that there is so much attention being paid to this and in some ways not enough. So that the alarm is still being sounded in a lot of places um, to have more attention being paid to this and therefore increasing that. The we can't honestly predict what the next eight weeks are going to look like. Um, it is recommended that you act uh, precociously and try to prepare as best you can. In, in this light, the focus is on health and safety for all, for yourself, for your employees, and for your patients. And I, I guess I would assume that that's, you know, that's typically where your mind goes anyway. So, 
even though maybe we don't have a lot of concern near the practice right now, you should start thinking about that response. Start thinking about what does it look like if I reduce my hours? What does it look like if I close my practice for 14 days? A plan that really what you're coming to is a plan and planning, creating an action plan, determining what is and is not sustainable and affordable for the practice is very grounding. It allows you to feel like you've prepared. It also uh, will reduce the, some of the stress that your staff is feeling. If you're facing a layoff though, just be aware that your employees are going to be feeling that tenfold. Um, and the other thing is just openly communicate, communicate with your patients, communicate with your staff. Uh, practices that I've talked to, even in areas that weren't considered high exposure, I, I talked to a practice just late last week in Wisconsin before Wisconsin had any recorded cases. And um, they said the feedback they were getting from their patients and staff was that they felt very confident in the practice and appreciated how proactive they were being instead of waiting to respond later. Yeah, I've heard it suggested that there will eventually be a new normal, as a lot of times there is with change. But I, when that happens, I, I'm not sure. We're still in the early phases with a lot of unknowns around this. So I, I think that drives a lot of the, uh, the current fear and, and, and panic that people feel. Um, so last question, Amy, a national emergency has been declared. What types of programs will be available to small businesses? Um, so a national emergency will activate the Stafford Act and the Stafford Act allows for an, a large amount of money to be available for businesses across America and also to individuals. So the Small Business Association, that is a federal organization, has several resources available, one um, in particular being operational loans. Um, there is no agreement right now on the federal level about support for small businesses and the pay needed to retain hourly employees or to supplement the, the excuse me, the increased unemployment tax. Those things are still coming. That agreement has not been made. As I mentioned before, Ohio and Washington uh, have put in state level agreements in order to help with pay or compensate hourly employees and to support small businesses. So I think overall this is this is still going to be evolving with the announcement only on Thursday night. We have what we've known the resources to be because this looks different than some of the other responses we've had. There will be more information coming on that. The Small Business Administration website is a great resource to start with. And then also t checking in with um, state level Department of Labor's and Department of Public Health. Amy, this has been really helpful. Um, thanks again for your time and for your insight. So glad we got a chance to do this. Um, IDOC will continue to monitor the situation and be a resource, not just for our members, but the industry as a whole. So wishing everyone the best through these trying times. And uh, I think this is a good place to share one of our core values at IDOC, which is better together. And even though we're being asked to keep our distance from others, that doesn't mean that we can't be connected. So 
Um, everyone, please stay informed, stay safe. Thank you for listening to what I'm sure will be the first of several podcasts on this topic. Thank you so much. Thank you.